So I've uh, got some pictures to show you. I, uh, you may have seen some of these uh, uh, around the Internet, but I thought these were interesting, uh, how people try to fix things. Um, this guy must have had a problem with his defrost system, and so he's uh, taking care of that, like that. Uh, a little engine problem? Of course, you, what else would you do? you get out the Pringles can and some duct tape, right? How about this next one? Yeah, a little problem in the bathroom? Toilet's not working right? Just run a hose from the sink. That makes perfect sense to me. Now here, a guy has fixed his headlight. Now this is in ingenuity because not only has he fixed it, he made sure he had a low beam and a high beam. I think there's one more here. Guy had a little tire trouble. Wonder how that rides. So let me ask you. Uh, when you look at those pictures, is that skill or laziness? And I think it depends maybe on where you're from. You know, what part of the country you grew up in? as to whether or not that's skill or a laziness. Well, we're continuing today our pursuit of wisdom as we're studying in August through the month, the book of uh, Proverbs. And uh, we are trying to uh, get wisdom in our lives because the book of Proverbs is all about attaining wisdom. And wisdom is the idea of gaining skill in the art of godly living. And so this month we're trying to do that. We're trying to gain some skill in the art of living like God wants us to. We're doing that in a couple of ways. Uh, for one, I challenged you last week, if you were here, uh, to join me in taking the month of August to read through the book of Proverbs. There are 31 days in the month of August, and there are 31 Proverbs. And we started last Sunday on August the 1st, and so I hope that you uh, read along with us. If you, if you missed last week and you didn't know, or you got home and you forgot, that's okay. Why don't you start today? It's August the 8th. Go home and read Proverbs chapter 8, and then continue with us uh, for the rest of the month. The other thing that we're trying to do then is to take a few topics from the book of Proverbs and to really drill down into those and see what kind of wisdom we can gain for our lives from those topics. Today, I want to see what the book of Proverbs has to say about laziness. Do you know the book of Proverbs addresses that topic of laziness more than 25 times? And so I want to look at what it has to say about laziness for our lives. Now, the very fact, here's what I think about laziness. I think all of us can be lazy. Now, for some of you, just that statement makes you a little bothered because you think, wait a minute, you don't have any right to tell me I'm laziness. There are a few others of us in the room who would immediately say, well, you're right, <laughs> I am rather lazy. Well, let me explain, or really let me let the book of Proverbs explain what I mean about the term of laziness. If you brought your Bible, and I hope you did, open to uh, Proverbs chapter 24. That's where we're going to start off this morning. Uh, Proverbs chapter 24. And uh, if you were here last week, hopefully you've got Proverbs marked and you can open right up to it. If not, uh, mark your spot so that you can find it. It's just after the big book of Psalms in the Old Testament and before you get to the book of Ecclesiastes. Proverbs 24. We're going to start with verse uh, 30. A little story that he tells here. He says, I, I went past the field of a slugger. That would be somebody who's lazy. Past the vineyard of the man who lacked judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere, the ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed, or I thought about what I saw, and I learned a lesson from it. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. Now here's the overall principle that he's teaching there. Anything or everything left to itself has a tendency to deteriorate. It's true, isn't it? If you think about it, 
everything left to itself has a tendency to deteriorate. It's true in so many things. When I've traveled to California in the past, one of the things that I was just amazed at was kind of what I guess you sort of call maybe the Central Valley area of California. And you, you kind of come up over the mountains, and there below you are miles and miles and miles of fields of produce. I mean, row after row after row of just beautiful plants that are growing with vegetables and fruits and produce. I mean, it's just incredible. Well, here's the thing about those fields. They didn't get there by themselves. They didn't just spring up out of nowhere. They didn't just grow to be that beautiful by accident. Someone is behind them. Someone has been working diligently so that they could grow up. The writer of Proverbs here says that he comes upon a, a vineyard, and that word vineyard really could represent an, an orchard or a garden. Uh, he came upon an orchard or a garden, and all he sees are thorns and thistles growing up, weeds are everywhere, the walls are in ruin, and he finds this to be a rather tragic scene. Now, to fully appreciate the angst that he feels about this, you have to understand something about the ancient Middle East. For someone living in the ancient Middle East to own a piece of property that could produce crops was very important. For someone to own a vineyard or an orchard or a garden was the opportunity of a lifetime. And so, when the writer of Proverbs sees this scene, it's tragic to him. It is a tragedy. Maybe we can understand it this way. Suppose there was somewhere where you have seen, maybe along the water, a beautiful house. And you have driven by that house and you have admired the beauty of it. And you know that somebody has put a lot of effort and uh, invested a lot of finances in building that. But several months go by and you go back by that house and you notice there are weeds growing up everywhere and their, their windows are broken and the place is in disarray. And what would you say? You'd say, well, that's tragic. That's a tragedy. And that's how this man you see, in life, all of us are given a vineyard or vineyards. When we were born, all of us were given the vineyard of a, a body and a mind. Many of us have the vineyard of a spouse. A lot of us have the vineyard of children. We have the vineyard of jobs and financial resources. We have the, the vineyard of a relationship with God. And all of these vineyards that we have, they really are the opportunity of a lifetime. They are an incredible thing that God has given to us. Now, God doesn't force us to take care of them. He, he will help us if we invite Him to take care of these vineyards that we've been given. But He doesn't force us to do it. He, he leaves it up to us. So the writer of Proverbs says this man was walking past the vineyard and maybe he was imagining as he looked at the vineyard what could have been. It could have been a source of great beauty. It could have been a source of, of pride and joy for its owner. It could have been a source of produce, of crops for all of its neighbors. But it was none of those things. In fact, it fell tragically short of what it could have been. It fell tragically short, not because of some great disaster. It hadn't been a fire. It wasn't because of a flood or rain. 
it fell tragically short of what it could have been simply because of the sheer negligence of its owner. Because everything that's left to itself has a tendency to deteriorate. It's true of the vineyard or vineyards that we've been given in life. If left to themselves, they have a tendency to deteriorate. And maybe this morning you look at some of your vineyards. The vineyards that you've been given and maybe they aren't in such great shape. I see, when I said we were going to talk about laziness at the beginning, a lot of you immediately thought of some couch potato. You know, who spends all of his time, his whole life watching TV, hasn't showered for three days. You know, he can't keep a job and his house is in disarray. That's your picture of laziness. And maybe you would say back to me, if I ask, if I say all of us can be lazy, you'd say, well, I'm not lazy. You know, I work harder than anybody at my job. I'm in top condition physically. I don't ever spend time watching TV. But when you look at your vineyard or vineyards that God has given you, do you see that maybe some of them have some weeds growing up? The walls are crumbling a bit. Not because of some tragedy, but because of just some neglect, some laziness on your part. Maybe as you think about your life as a dad, as a dad, you you know you kind of look at your life and everything that you're involved in in business is going pretty good, even in this this economy. You're doing pretty well. Your BlackBerry's got plenty of contacts in it. But when you look at the vineyard of your children, you realize they are slowly drifting away. Or maybe as a mom, you are absolutely pouring yourself into your children. You spend your time running them to soccer practice and to baseball practice and to dance lessons. But the vineyard of your soul is shriveling up. Maybe as a married couple, you have all the amenities of life. You live in a nice house. You drive cars. You've got most everything that you really want. But your relationship with each other, you haven't spent any significant time really communicating with each other in weeks. And you are drifting apart. So the writer of Proverbs says that we ought to look at our vineyards because, again, anything left to itself has a tendency to deteriorate. So today I want to first kind of suggest some reasons that I think and that Proverbs points out that laziness, this kind of laziness, often goes unchallenged. Maybe we could even say it often goes unnoticed in our lives. Here's the first that I would notice. We get our priorities out of order. We get our priorities out of order. I think that's what happened to this guy who owned the vineyard in Proverbs. Obviously, it seems that he had decided that there were other things in life that were more important to him than caring for the vineyard that he had been given. Let's just be honest. You can't do it all, can you? I mean, there just aren't enough minutes in the day to do everything, are there? And so we have to decide. In fact, I'd suggest we have to keep on deciding what our priorities are going to be. Actually, we should probably say that differently. We have to learn what God says our priorities ought to be. What's important to Him? What vineyards matter to God? 
And those ought to be the vineyards in our lives that get our time and attention. Those ought to be the things that become our priority. But sometimes our laziness goes unchallenged because we've got our priorities all out of order. If you look at verse 33, where we just read in chapter 24, I think we find another reason that our laziness often goes unchallenged. It says this in verse 33, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Now, what picture do you get there? It's a picture of inactivity, isn't it? A picture of passivity. Not a lot is happening. (laughs) And if this owner of the vineyard were asked when something was going to happen, when he was going to do something, what does he say? In a little while. But you know what happens with a little while? A little while becomes a few weeks. And then a little while becomes months. And before we even realize it, a little while becomes years. You know, most of the time in our lives, it's not that we say about our vineyard, I'll never, is it? I uh, read a story, it was in the L.A. Times uh, several years ago, quite a few years ago, about this guy who went back to his old neighborhood. First time he had visited the old neighborhood in like 20 years. And he was pretty bold because he saw the house that he'd grown up in and he actually went up and knocked on the door and asked if he could come in and look around this old house. It hadn't been 20 years since he'd seen it. And somewhere in the process of looking around, he ended up in the attic. And I'm not sure how that happened. But while he was in the attic, he found an old jacket that belonged to him 20 years ago. He asked if he could take it. He took it with him. And as he was leaving, he reached into the pocket of that jacket and he found an old claim ticket for a pair of shoes that he had taken to a local repair shop. He thought, well, well, let's just see what happens. I'll have some fun here. He found the shoe repair shop. It was still in business. He went in. He took the claim ticket and he handed it to the guy across the counter. The guy looked at it and he went back into the back and he was back there for a little while, kind of fumbling around. Finally, he came back around out to the counter and handed the claim ticket back to the guy and said, can you come back a week from Thursday? 20 years and he hadn't fixed the pair of shoes, but if you come back a week from Thursday, it'll be ready. You know what in my life? It's not that I say never. It's I say a week from Thursday. When it comes to our vineyards, isn't that the way it usually is so often? It's not that we say, I'll never give attention to it. It's that I'll give it attention a week from Thursday. I know that my spiritual life isn't as healthy as it ought to be, and I ought to be serving others more. But we say, you know what, when my kids get a little bit older, then I'll give that some attention. What do we say when we're going to go on a diet? You know, the best day to start a diet is always on Monday, right? But not this Monday. It's the, the next Monday or the following Monday. Or if we see in our lives that our financial situation is a mess and we need to get out of debt, what do we say? Well, you know, when January rolls around, then I'll give that some attention. Or we see that our relationship with our husband or wife isn't exactly as healthy as it ought to be. And I've heard people say, you know, when the kids get older and they get out of the house, then we'll spend time on our relationship. It's not that we say never. It's we say we'll do it a week from Thursday. And it becomes a huge obstacle in our battle of neglect of the vineyards that we've been entrusted with. I think there's another reason 
that laziness often goes unchallenged. It's because we are really good at making excuses. We're really good at making excuses. Flip over to Proverbs 22. Verse 13 says this. The sluggard or the lazy guy says, there's a lion outside or I will be murdered in the streets. Now you have to catch the sarcasm of the writer of Proverbs here. He's being very sarcastic and he's saying the lazy person makes really lame excuses and so do we sometimes. This guy that he writes about stands in his house and says, I'm afraid there's a lion outside. Well, unless he lives in Kenya, that's probably not a reality. Or he says, I'm afraid if I go out, I'll be murdered in the streets. And if he lives like someplace like in Cape Coral, that's probably not a real big risk that he's going to step out into the street and be murdered. And you know what? Sometimes when it comes to tending to the vineyards that God says are important, we make some pretty lame excuses about why we can't fix them. It's kind of like the dad I read about who, after a long week at work, and it was a hard week for him, he wakes up on Saturday morning and he just kind of plops down on the couch and his wife says, Honey, why don't you go play with the kids? They could use your attention. Oh, you know, it's been such a hard week. I'm tired. He says, Well, honey, why don't you, a little later, why don't you go mow the yard? You know, the grass is getting pretty tall. Oh, honey, you just don't know what a tough week I've had. It's just, I'm just exhausted. I'm worn out. About a half hour later, the phone rings and it's one of his good buddies who says, Hey, want to go golfing? And suddenly and miraculously, he is filled with energy. And he jumps up off the couch and, sure, I'll go play golf. And you know what? We could pick on all of us. We could pick on women too. We're pretty good at making excuses. And often our making of excuses is the reason that our laziness goes unchallenged. Flip over to Proverbs chapter 26, verse 16. I think there's another reason here why our laziness often goes unchallenged. 26.16 says, The sluggard, or the lazy guy, is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who answer discreetly. The writer says, the lazy person is far wiser in their own eyes than they are in reality. And often our laziness goes unchallenged because we suffer from selective blindness. We're blind to our own struggles. We're often blind to the reality of the condition of our own vineyards. We don't see it. But, you know, we think, ah, you know, I've got it all together. I've got life balanced. I've got all my bases covered. I'm good. Everything's good in my life. But that's not reality. We tend to think things are better than they really are sometimes. We practice selective blindness. And instead of noticing the things aren't in very good condition. We just say everything's okay. So what do we do about this? How do we move towards getting rid of this kind of neglect when it comes to the vineyards that God has given us to care for? Well, the writer of Proverbs would say we ought to look to the ant. In fact, if you'll flip over to Proverbs chapter 6, back to one of the chapters that we read this week. In fact, if you were reading by day on Friday, you probably read this passage and in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, it says this about the ant. Go to the ant, you sluggard or you lazy person. Consider its ways and be wise. There's some things we can learn from the ant. He says, learn this, number, verse 7. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. And I should have included verse 9, which says, 
How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? There's a couple of lessons that we could learn from the ant. The first is that the ant understands that it does not, re- does not require external motivation. The ant doesn't have an overseer, a ruler, a boss standing over it applying the whip. No, the ant understands that, that he's responsible for himself. That he has a, a vineyard to take care of. And whether he has somebody ruling over him, cracking the whip or not, he needs to go take care of his vineyard. And the ant would understand that if you're waiting for someone to make you fix the broken vineyards, if you're waiting for someone to beg you to fix the broken vineyards, then you're in serious trouble. Because the principle of the ant would teach us that you need to realize that you are responsible for your vineyard. And whether anybody asks you or encourages you to take care of it or not, you need to take care of it. Now, certainly, certainly we need people in our lives who hold us accountable. We need people in our lives who encourage us. But when it comes right down to it, we're each responsible for our own vineyard and the care of it. The second lesson I think the ant teaches us is the law of opportunity. Do you notice that the ant gathers its provisions in the summer? Because that's when it has the opportunity to do it. If it waits too long, if it ignores the opportunity in the summer, what happens? The provisions are gone. And there's no longer a chance to store up. And so even in the summer, the ant takes advantage of the opportunity and he acts to store up. Now you know what? Maybe you are living in a summer season and you wish that you weren't. You think, boy, I, I you know, just wish my kids would get a little bit older and they wouldn't be so demanding. Or, you know, I wish I had a different job with a, a, a boss that didn't have such unrealistic expectations of me. Or I wish we had more money. Now, I wish we lived in a different place. But you know what? Now is the season that you're in. And now is the moment of opportunity to fix your vineyard. You can't always be waiting for another season that you think will be better. You have to seize the moment. You have to seize the opportunity that is now to restore the vineyard that might be broken down. So I wonder this morning, as you consider the vineyards in your life that God has given you, the the ones that He would say are important, what shape are they in? Honestly, what shape are they in? And is there a vineyard or vineyards that need some attention? Maybe there are some vineyards that have deteriorated. Because again, everything left to itself has a tendency to deteriorate. And maybe there are some vineyards that need attention in your life. The vineyard of your marriage. The vineyard of your children. The vineyard of your job. The vineyard of your relationship with God. And you know what? I know what. I know. That maybe for some of you, as you contemplate those vineyards, there's one of them that is in desperate need of repair and the task seems, well, it seems overwhelming to you. It does. I want to assure you this morning that God wants to help you restore the beauty of your vineyard. 
He doesn't want you to have to do this all alone. The Bible's really clear that He wants to come alongside and help you restore that vineyard. But here's the thing. You don't have to do it alone, but you have to take the first step. God's not going to restore it until you take the first step, and then He'll come alongside, and He'll help you in that process of restoring the beauty of those vineyards. God, I thank You for the vineyards that You have given us. God, would You help us this morning, right in this moment, to honestly evaluate the condition of those vineyards. God, would You strip away the selective blindness that we often practice. God, would You help us to see the reality of the condition of our vineyards. And God, in this moment, would You direct our attention to a vineyard or vineyards in our lives that maybe needs some work, needs a little attention. Maybe the weeds aren't very high yet, but maybe they're growing and it needs our attention. God, would You help us to do what it takes to restore the beauty of those vineyards. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.